0: Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I am your host,
1: Ryan Burklow. With me, my co-host, Alex Collins. Hey buddy, how's it going? Good. Good. I uh, went to Leavenworth this weekend and decided to uh, enjoy some time in front of other people. So it was kind of (laughs) nice. Cool. (laughs) So I'm in a a better mood, getting a sense of normalcy this past weekend. So that felt good.
2: Nice. Hopefully, uh, hopefully stayed safe and stayed socially distant and, you know, stayed healthy.
1: Didn't dance with anyone, although I was asked several times (laughs) and I said, no, no, I'm good. (laughs) so no no we it was pretty nice it we stayed with as a family it was real real clean so worked out well well good so let's talk about this podcast Mr. Collins right so this beer and money for for those of you who are just now listening and never heard us before this is a podcast that started from a event that we held here uh, locally in Seattle for a tech company and um, we wanted it to be just low-key nonchalant place where we could talk about money and not, you know, not be embarrassed, not be concerned, not be scared. And so to do that, we bought everyone a beer and we chatted about money, hence the name beer and money. And Alex, go ahead, Alex.
2: Yeah. So like afterwards we had a whole bunch of people come up and ask us like whether we were recording these and, and if they were going to be available for download uh, later so they could b- go back and review it. They had some friends that couldn't attend, excuse me, those types of things. And so they, uh, uh, what you and I did was we took that idea and concept and then turned it into a podcast. And, um, now we've, we've subsequently turned it into a, a video podcast, um, just to try and create more, more stories an easier way to tell things. You know, if you're, if you're just listening to us on the podcast uh, we're still staying true to that format, but uh, you can also find us uh, find a video of these podcasts. If you're uh, if you're willing to put up with, with our two ugly mugs.
1: So this is a podcast helping you simplify your finances so you can focus on what you want to do. Cause I don't know about you. I know I do it for a living when I go home. <laughs> I don't, talk about, I mean, I do talk about finances with my wife, but it's not a taboo thing. And because we're on the same page, it allows us to, to focus on what we want, which is our family. And so the stress of money is is not there to the same extent. So that's the goal Absolutely. of this podcast. For those of you who are returning, welcome back. You've probably heard our last episode, we were talking about protecting our greatest financial resource, which is our income, which leads us into today's conversation. And today's conversation is all around what it is or where you put your money today, not only matters today, but also matters for the future.
2: A a great deal, actually.
1: (laughs) And so when we take a look at that, you know, we've got this cash flow, this income coming in the door, and we're spending some of it on debt and taxes or spending some of it, obviously, on lifestyle and some of the money we're actually saving. Go
2: figure.
1: Right. And so we've got these different assets that we now hold. It might be in our checking savings account. It might be in an investment account that's not inside of a retirement account. Or it might be retirement accounts. And each one of those vehicles can be taxed differently. And so what we mean about like what the bigger bigger conversation that we have with a lot of people is, have you considered taxes not only for today, but what are the taxes you're going to have in the future when you start to pull the money out?
2: Yeah, it it becomes a very complex and convoluted uh, conversation. Uh, Again, our goal is to simplify it. And so we would simply ask you the question, like, do, do you know the history of taxes? And, you know, most people don't really fully understand the history of taxes. You know, if we, uh, if we go all the way back to where they started, taxes were initially created back in 1913 uh, to pay for World War I, and the promise was that taxes would go away shortly. Uh, and uh, they initially started out with a, a huge, whopping, massive tax bracket of 7% as the high. And 1% uh, as the low um, now since then taxes have never gone away as promised and they reached a high in the uh, during World War II of 94% of every dollar earned in the top tax bracket going to pay taxes um, and 23% was the lowest tax bracket during that time period uh, now subsequently during the uh, the 70s and 80s, uh, we have dropped down and dropped down fairly significantly. And today we sit at a top tax bracket of 37% for individuals and a minimum tax bracket of 10%. Meaning that every dollar that you have coming in that's deemed to be earned income is taxed at 10%. Um, and then the next section is taxed at 12 and so forth and so on until you get to the 37% tax bracket. Why this is important, is because you, when we're talking about getting a tax deduction today, having the money grow tax deferred, and then having the money come out as taxable income in retirement, we don't want all of that structure. Conversely, we don't want none of that structure. Uh, the other two tax structures that we take a look at are having it be after-tax dollars right now so no tax deduction having it grow tax deferred again but having it come out to you income tax free in retirement you know most people are familiar with that concept of roth where there's no taxes due upon retirement the third tax structure is there is no tax deferral or there's minimal amounts of tax deferral as we go along uh, but the dollars are treated as long term capital gains which that can be very uh, very beneficial in and of itself uh, depending upon what tax bracket in long-term capital gains are either taxed at zero or fifteen percent, so a substantial discount off of what ordinary income rates are. So, helping folks understand these these different details and different structures, and, and that we want to have balance between all three tax structures.
1: Go ahead, Rob. The the tax conversation is. I mean, outside of maybe inflation, it's the biggest erosion of our money, if you think about it, the biggest bill that we're ever going to pay. And when we think about these conversations or when we're having these conversations, frankly, we all forget that taxes used to be a high tax bracket of 94% because that's just, you know, in the last 20 years, it's been like 37, 39, hasn't got anywhere close to 94%. Right. And the question is, Hopefully, people are asking, "Well, where are tax brackets going in the future?" And uh, if we well, could predict Ryan, that, if we could predict that and make our jobs a ton easier, and we can't. Uh, we we
2: can't predict it with any amount of certainty. At the same time, we have a ballooning national debt, and uh, we just printed how many trillions of dollars in uh, in relief for for what's going on with uh, with COVID. The the likelihood of having additional tax cuts at this point uh, it it's it's possible but it's unlikely
1: so when you think about where you're putting your money right now right in the tax deferred model which many of us have used and are still using and let me just preface this conversation with we're not saying to not put money there (laughs) correct we're we're wanting you to think purposely about your money and Alex made a comment of, if you deferred all your taxes, meaning if you put it in a traditional 401k, that means you've deferred that taxes still, until you start to take the money out. If tax brackets go up in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you go to pull that money out, if all of your money was deferred or tax-wise, was that the best decision?
2: No. And by not having different buckets, you don't have flexibility. Uh, You're now looking for for tax uh, uh, rescue structures. Uh, There are a couple different planning techniques to to try and do some of that stuff. Uh, But you you vastly limit the choices that you have. Um, And it is is way easier to proactively create these three different tax structures of uh, the traditional uh, tax deduction, uh, up front and taxable on the back end, Roth and capital gains, it, it is very much easier to, to create that proactively as you're building your wealth during your working years uh, than it is to try and figure out some sort of tax rescue structure uh, when we get to retirement and no longer have
1: much choice in where our dollars lie. So I know that it feels like we're beating up Let's just face it. We've rolled the horse over. We're 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 going after the horse pretty strong here, and that horse is taxes. We just want you to think about it. We just want you to be purposeful with your money, so that you have really flexibility when you need it. That's what all this stems from. And so, what's the solution? Well, the solution is to Alex's point: have having different buckets of money taxed differently. So, what does that look like in terms of blueprint, Alex? Sure. well,
2: we're, we're going to start by talking a little bit about having three different buckets of money, um, and we're going to talk about the different characteristics. Now, within each one of those buckets, we're going to want at least two different tax structures, if not all three of those tax structures. Uh, so the first one that we're going to take a look at is this, the short-term bucket. Um, and, and what the short-term bucket is designed to do is it's designed to be your emergency reserve. It's the money that you need to have. Uh, for the next six months, for the next year, it, it is your emergency reserve if the world suddenly breaks down, whether that's your own personal world and the transmission drops out of your car or you have a, a massive unexpected health bill, something happens with the kids, something happens with the parents, some unexpected expense pops up. We need access to cash and, and in, in an ideal world, we don't go into debt to, to find that access. So having an emergency reserve, usually in the in the amount of uh, somewhere between six and twelve months, uh, depending upon circumstances. The the steadier your income, uh, the more consistent and stable your your job is. The more we can be down towards six months. Uh, in an ideal world, we still have twelve months worth of uh, worth of expenses at a minimum. And for some folks, like uh, if we think about uh, commercial real estate agents who who might only wind up with uh, a couple really big paydays a year, um, for those folks, we, we might have 24 months worth of emergency reserves. Um, on the other end of that spectrum, we've got long-term and this is retirement. This is dollars that we're setting aside that we're not gonna touch for the next 10, 20, 30 years.
1: So most people we sit down with, like these are the two buckets of money they have. They've got their checking and savings accounts and they have their, their long-term account or their retirement accounts. And that's made up of their 401ks, their IRAs, and their Roths.
2: And it and very much looks like this barbell, like a whole bunch on the be or a, a chunk on the beginning, and then a huge chunk on the end.
1: And then the question we always ask is, okay, so you're 40 years old. When do you plan on retiring, or when would you like to retire? And You know, and retire, if we want to define retirement, is no longer having to work. It's choosing to work. And so when we ask them that question, you know, they might say 15, 20, 30 years. And so you've got your short-term bucket for today. You've got your long-term bucket for 20, 30 years from now. What could happen (laughs) in life over that time period? And obviously there's a crap ton that can happen right there's sending kids off to college there's buying a new home buying a new car there's opportunities in terms of maybe investing in a company or starting your own company like think about i'm just in the last three years what has happened in life right like so we've got this huge time period and so the bucket that we always suggest having is a midterm bucket
2: well and ryan you didn't even mention hawaii there
1: i trying to leave. I was trying to leave Hawaii off a podcast, so thanks for bringing that up, though.
2: <laughs> you're, right, you're
1: welcome. This midterm bucket is is huge, And the fact that just from a, it's the bucket of money that you don't necessarily plan on using, but it's there if you needed it, and so you can get, you can maybe get some rate return in this bucket, you maybe get some tax efficiencies in this bucket, and, and having get- this.
2: And yet you still have liquidity, you still have access to it if you needed it, if something popped up, whether that's something good like an opportunity, or whether that's something bad like an unplanned unexpected expense.
1: And having these two buckets, from a risk standpoint, maybe if you wanted to, you could be more riskier with your other money. Like you could leverage this money, the fact that you have it, and maybe be more riskier with your other money. Or, like we've always stated, the flexibility of controlling your tax brackets when you get to retirement if you've got these different buckets of money taxed differently.
2: Absolutely. There's there's a couple other purposes for for some of these midterm buckets, uh, especially if you're planning on retiring before age 59 and a half. Uh, but so much of it just depends on situation and circumstance and and what you're, what you're working towards. What are your goals? What What are your financial dreams?
1: So for those of you who are listening, um, you're probably thinking, okay, that that makes sense. Like no one's ever said that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like Everyone always goes, oh, that makes sense. The next question in their mind is, okay, what would qualify as a midterm bucket? And it's actually really simple. For whatever reason, it just gets lost in terms of the conversation. I'm not exactly sure why. And the first one is, you can actually have an investment account that's not inside of a retirement account, meaning you invest in stocks and bonds and you get access to it.
2: Yeah. And and the tax treatment of this becomes ultra important. Um, You know, now we're, if we're outside of a retirement plan, uh, we're, we're living in the in the, the world of, of capital gains and it becomes ultra important to try and shift as much of it as possible to long-term capital gains as opposed to short-term capital gains. Um, and so we spend a bunch of time talking with folks about, okay, what are the things we can do to control this? How do we structure it? Uh, and that goes into a, a couple different things. One portfolio creation. Um, and, and second, how do we want to structure uh, the liquidity um, and access component? Because you know, the last thing in the world that we want to have happen is, you know, have a massive negative consequence occur when we go to access our money. I mean, awesome. We've done exceedingly well, but at the same time, that comes with a tremendous penalty in the form of taxes, or it can can come in with a tremendous penalty in the form of taxes.
1: So you've got an investment account. Some people might call it a brokerage account. And then the other type of bucket that we typically talk into is um, you might be able to utilize some forms of permanent life insurance uh, that might have cash value growth uh, inside of that. And so that's another and that cash value growth, you can access that money. That's that's depending on the policy and the structure. um, Some policies allow that flexibility. And so imagine having a short term bucket your emergency reserve, imagine having a midterm bucket with some, maybe a brokerage account or maybe some permanent life insurance or both. And then you've got these retirement accounts. How much more flexible do you, do you have, how much more flexibility do you have in your financial plan? Like a lot of people that are talking to us, they want to be recession proof right now, right? To be recession proof, you need more liquidity. It's, it's pretty much <laughs> that simple.
2: Yeah, one. Well, this dovetails nicely into the discussion around uh, real estate investing, um, which kind of straddles that mid-term, long-term bucket, uh, where it has characteristics of both. Um, and again, it, it requires having a, a tremendous amount of, of uh, liquidity. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I've, I've read a ton of stories of uh, you know folks that are getting squeezed. Uh, inside of the real estate market, where they've got tenants that either uh, have left uh, or are, you know, choosing not to pay rent, um, and their their mortgages are still due. Um, you know, they're not able to take care, take advantage of some of the forbearance issues. They're 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 not uh, uh, they're not able to reduce down their costs, and so they still have costs, and they they have uh, little to no income coming in, and it, and it can create a big big cash flow issue.
1: Yeah. It- I mean, that's, I've read plenty of articles like that. In the end, you know, I can't say it enough. What most people don't have, flexibility. And to have flexibility, it's almost, I know Alex will probably bring in some analytics to say it's not exactly right, but it's almost (laughs) the same as liquidity. Yeah. And so we want to have those different buckets that allows for that flexibility and, that gives you sometimes, depending on how you set it up, some opportunity or more opportunity in terms of either risk or rates of return, if you want to compare it to that way, and just ultimate financial freedom or financial simplicity.
2: Absolutely. And and please don't take what I was just saying as a, a knock on real estate investing. We absolutely uh, love the idea and concept of, of real estate investing. Uh, it just has to be done with uh, with foresight and knowledge um, that The the cash flow can go away and uh, we've thankfully uh, lived in a an environment where there really hasn't been much in the way of negative potential consequences from investing in real estate.
1: So we hope today's podcast or this episode was valuable for you. the, the bigger The big takeaway is a) do you have purpose with where you're putting your money, and b) what your blueprint look like. We just drew one out for you. That may or may not work for you, but. How do you look? How do you have different levers? How much flexibility do you have in your current plan? That's the key takeaway that we would like for you to have. So uh, Alex, we always end with uh, the question of the day.
2: (laughs) You just gave it, Ryan.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Why don't you repeat it then?
2: (laughs) Sure. So the question of the day is is really uh, around flexibility and liquidity. How many levers do you have and how much... How much liquidity how much flexibility do you have in your current plan uh, and, and what's that structure
1: so head to bearmoney.net and, and at the bottom of that page you can um, uh, answer that question as well as reach out to us with any other questions that you might have that you want us to talk about a lot of these topics we're talking about are from uh, your all's requests so thank you for that uh, if you like this, this episode please feel free to share it with your friends. Um, typically if you found value out of it, typically our friends find some value out of that. So feel free to do that. Um, and, uh, feel free to engage with us because it's, it's definitely fun, um, having that conversation with y'all. So thank you for that. So Mr. Collins, cheers.
0: This podcast is for informational purposes only, and it's not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only in accordance with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their friends are not affiliated with or endorsed by government securities, or quantified financial partners, and the payment stages are their own. Guardians, ex agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or professional advice. Consult your tax through or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities OSJ 1331000000 Claremont, California 91701 Securities products and advisory services offered by Park Avenue Securities, Embra, FIMRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Frontified Financial Partners is not a or a subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-103826, expiration June 2022.